Yeah, well, let, let's dig in. Hello, everybody. I'm David Cooks, and I tell you what. We know that paralysis can take on many forms. It can be physical like mine. It can be something. And what we try to do is feature stories that go from difficult places to fulfilling purpose. What seems impossible I am so excited to have Jay Parker with us. He's a professional athlete, and his persistence and perseverance is inspiring. I remember seeing a post on Instagram of him, and he was holding up a sign letting the Milwaukee Bucks know that it was time for them to consider him as an NBA prospect. Space Pod started in 2015, and you know it's always been a dream of mine since I was a young child, even around basketball. And some of my other goals is to help others go to outer space because I want to experience outer space. You know, that that company, that sole purpose is all education and to develop these this technology, which is going to help educate people where they're feeling a lot more confident about going mm-hmm. to outer space. Got so much to give, a lot of life to live. You must go from paralysis to purpose. Get your pen and paper out. Yeah. I'm taking notes. Paralysis to purpose. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Paralysis to Purpose, the podcast. I'm David Cooks, and I am so excited to have Jay Parker with us today. As you know, here on Paralysis to Purpose, we tell stories of people who are going, have, who have gone from difficult places in their lives to fulfilling purpose, and their journey is just outstanding. And today is no exception. It is my honor and pleasure to have Jay Parker with us. I knew Jay when he was Jonathan way back in high school, and um, he's going to take us through his journey. He's a professional athlete and, and a ba- he's a basketball player and his persistence and, and his perseverance is inspiring for all of us. And I think uh, I remember seeing a post on Instagram of him and he was standing in front of the, Fi- the Pfizer farm here in Milwaukee where the Milwaukee Bucks play. And he was holding up a sign, letting the Milwaukee Bucks know that he was ready and it was time for them to consider him as an NBA prospect. And when I saw that, I said, you know what? We need to get his story heard around the world. And so that's what we're going to do today. Welcome, Jay. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Well, let's. Um, I'm going to let you tell the story. And why don't we just start back to high school? I remember when you were uh, a freshman at Marquette High School, and I think I was the varsity coach then. And um, let's talk about your experience those first couple of years and, and some of the uh, challenges that you faced. Yeah, so... Initially, I, I wasn't really sure if uh, I was going to pan out at Marquette, especially with the basketball team, because I got cut right away. Uh, and I did take an alternative path, even though I didn't make the team, whereas I decided to try cross country and run track and field. And, you know, my freshman year was was an up and down roller coaster in regards to sports just because I was still trying to figure out my body and get coordinated. And it was until my sophomore year was I really understood I had the athleticism to make the team. But again, I still got cut. So my freshman, sophomore year, even though I didn't make the team, you know, I always knew that uh, I had the skill set. I always had the belief in myself and I didn't let that waver me. I didn't let, you know, me not making a team my freshman, sophomore year to hold me back from being the person I can see myself being because I looked up to my father. My father was a great basketball player in the city of Milwaukee. Uh, he played at Bradley Tech back in the late 80s and he took his team upstate and things like that. So I already had high expectations 
within my family to be successful. And, you know, when I, even though I didn't get that initially at Marquette, I, I kept going. One of the most challenging parts about being a head coach or even being a leader in an organization is having to make difficult decisions to, to have to make cuts and to have to let people go. That is not a pleasant experience for the head coach. It's not a pleasant experience for the player or the employee. And to have to do those things sometimes is difficult. Um, and, and I share that because, you know, especially when you're dealing with young people, and they're in their formative years and they have dreams and visions and goals and how for many that can send them down a dark hole, a rabbit hole, and they can really uh, lose hope. What were some of the things that helped you? Were there people in, involved in your life? You know, because you kept coming back um, and we're going to get to your junior and senior year. You kept coming back and you said you tried other things. You you did cross country, you ran track. And one of the things that that I'm a firm believer in, in is that adversity and obstacles aren't there to define you, but they redirect you. And can can you speak to that a little bit in, in your experience as a teenager? Yes, yes. And I'm actually very thankful that I went and took the route to try track and field my sophomore year because I knew even though, again, I had these tools, I couldn't put it together. It was a reason why I didn't make the JV team. It was a reason why I didn't make the freshman team. And it wasn't more, it wasn't just saying that the players are better than me. It's just also myself. I didn't have that confidence to go out and prove it every single uh, day in practice or in the, in the game situation. So I really worked on that over the summer. And the people that I had in my ear was definitely my father. Uh, you know, Johnny Parker, he was there all the time. My mom as well. She's strong. She you know, made sure she was on me and kept me going as well. Uh, I had my sisters who also looked up to me. And then eventually I had a little brother who also I wanted to be a good example for, uh, whereas I can prove to him that he can do whatever he wants possible. And again, that I've always had that in my life. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about my upbringing and kind of where I started and everything like that before I got to high school. But I've always had the, the confidence that I can accomplish anything. So, you know, I use track and field as the as I looked at it as this is going to either help me become even more athletic or it's going to help with my coordination. And again, mm -hmm. my father helped with that as well, because he 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 allowed for me to become aware of what I was lacking to become a better basketball player. So, you know, by using track and field to help me develop my coordination, I, I was one of the top players. Uh, actually one of the top athletes on that sophomore team ended up jumping on the varsity team. So, you know, I knew I was very talented. And that next year when, ju when my junior season came, that, summer, uh, that whole entire summer I put in a lot of work. So I knew coming in I was going to be in a better shape. Wow. Well, there's a couple of things you talked about. One, the importance of partnerships. I talk about how perspective, perseverance, and partnerships help get us from a place of paralysis onto purpose. And uh, it's nice to know that you don't have to take these journeys by yourself. And uh, you were fortunate, as as many people are, to have a supporting family and supporting cast with you. Let's talk a little bit about the priorities that were there, though, because you could have left Marquette High School. Um, and many, many kids do th these days when they are disappointed with the program or they're not getting the playing time they want or whatever. But you stuck it out. And I remember you. I do remember your mom. And her focus was she wanted to make sure you were doing the best you could in the classroom. Yes. And can can you talk a little bit about perspective and and how that helped to keep you focused during that time? Yeah, my mom gave me the bigger picture, whereas I looked at Marquette High School, not just as a very competitive sports environment, but also a good educational environment, whereas I want to be very prepared for college. So, 
that was a big thing. Both of my parents have their education. They have, uh, my mother has her master's and uh, working on her PhD. And my father also has his master's as well. So, you know, I've, I've been able to watch them go through their college years. And I've, I've been blessed with that as well. I know everybody doesn't have the opportunity to have their parents who are well-educated, but, you know, they worked really hard and they instilled that same thing into me to, to chase my education. So in high school, you know, I, I didn't feel like I had the greatest GPA, right? But I knew in that environment, I was going to learn as much as I possibly can so that when I do step into the college realm, I'm ready. So being at Market High School wasn't just for sports. Now, was I disappointed that I didn't play sports as much as I did? Yes, right? But the bigger picture was I came out with better connections. I came out, you know, with a great education, whereas I was able to move on and, and progress through life as a professional and a, and a well-mannered man. So, you know, I'm very thankful for that. Wow. So, so, so sports and, and, and the high school experience is about developing you as a person yes. and not just as an athlete. And yes. I, I think that once your athleticism caught up to your person, your junior and senior year, that thing came together for you. And that's when you began to see that potentially you had a future in this. Yes. Let, let, let's, let's jump to your senior year because I, there was a pivotal point in your senior year, you, you made the team your junior year. You, you didn't play a whole lot, uh, yeah. but again, you stuck with it. I mean, you never stopped. And I think there's a message for young people and people in general about the importance of not stopping mm -hmm. uh, and about keep keeping on going and going and going. And so your senior year came and uh, you were playing a little bit more and that, and that kind of stuff. And I, I heard you tell a story recently about a particular situation that I didn't know uh, impacted your life the way it did, but it really changed you and and changed your trajectory as you start to move forward. Let's share that with the audience. Yes. So it was the last game of my senior year. Now we didn't have a great team that year. We, we didn't. We were seven and fourteen. I remember that vividly uh, <laughs> because I always think to myself now. I'm like, man, if if I knew what I knew now, we probably would have won a state championship or something like that. You know, we would have been competing upstate and. All kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah. in in that game, it was a, a playoff game against Pius, right? Mm -hmm. Like, even though we didn't have a good team, we still made it to the playoffs. And Pius, they were sporting the number one player in the state and one of the top players in the entire country in Corey Lucius. Mm -hmm. So it was a practice before we had that game. And it's the end of the season. So, you know, I had an up and down season. I had some good games and then I didn't have some great games. But overall, I felt pretty confident. I felt like I was improving. You know, it was better than where I was two years ago. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm moving towards the right direction. So in that game, uh, I'm sorry, in the practice before the game, uh, Coach you as well as the assistant coach, I think it was Briggs as well, who inspired me to, to really go after this. But it was you guys telling me to come in and act like Corey Lucius for the scout team against the starters. So I'm like, okay, I come in and I, I'm like completely transformed. My mindset the night, the night before is like, I need to come in thinking just like him. I want to look just like him so I can beat him. So that night I go buy a hairband. I get the socks. I get everything looking like I'm this, I'm yeah. this D1 superstar, number one player in the state. And uh, I came into practice and I, I was a different player. I think you even noticed that you guys were like, he's moving different. He, he's taking shots now. Like I was simulating being that type of high level player. And when that game came around to, to playing and guarding Corey Lucius, I was locked in. You know, I was able to guard him. I think I only held him to maybe 12 or 10 points or something crazy like that. He was averaging 20 a game. Right. And, right. you know, I had Rick Majerus in the stands and that's what solidified my steps to play at, at SLU. 
is because he saw me playing. He must was he must have been impressed with my defensive skills. And then of course offensively, I was very aggressive that game. Right. Because I had I had got it turned on in practice the day before. So, you know, it really unlocked my potential. You were a starter and I asked you to do something for the scout team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody would not have accepted that. That would that that some people would have taken that as a demotion or something. But you were, in our mind, the best person to emulate what we were going to see. Right. And you embraced that challenge mm-hmm. and you turned it into an opportunity for growth. Yes. And there's such a message in that that you and I, I didn't realize. I mean, you you did come into practice that day, and you were a different guy. We were like, who? We were like, who is this? I mean, you were dunking on people and doing. I was like, where's this man? We should have had him do this sooner. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. Uh, but you know, and it's a lesson on one of those things where, sometime in leadership, um, you're not sure exactly how how what you do is going to be received but your goal is to always put people in position to thrive and be the best that they can be and we thought that you were going to be great at doing that and it turned out yeah. you talked about SLU for those who don't know who SLU is that's St. Louis University it's a division one program and you were given a, a, a walk-on um, spot on the team yeah and and you went on so so now you go you've gone from being cut as a freshman and sophomore in high school to now being a division one college basketball player. Yeah. Let's talk about that transition. Yeah, that and that was an amazing, it surprised me because I didn't realize that Rick Majerus was there scouting me or I don't think he even was, I don't know what was going on in the universe to create that situation. I was just very thankful that everything worked out. Whereas, you know, I was, I was at a peak state. I was very clear about what I wanted to, to do in that game. and. Everything worked out. So I got a call over that summer just from his assistant coach just saying, hey, Jonathan, you know, we've heard good things about you. We saw you plan and we want to invite you out to join the team. He said, there, you didn't have a trial or anything like that. Once you come into the city, you'll be taken care of. I said, OK, I'm like, all right. So and it was uh, very interesting because I wanted to go to Morehouse mm. uh, and I was kind of iffy on Morehouse because it was the all boys thing again. But I had right. an offer. Because I was talking to the coach and he was, you know, thinking that I'll be able to hop onto the team and be set. But it's a Division II school. Right. Now, St. Louis didn't offer me money, but they were looking to help me out with track. And I'm like, okay, I'll take that. But it was when I got that call from Rick Majerus and the team that it solidified me going to St. Louis because I looked at it as I have the opportunity to learn from a Hall of Fame coach who has roots in Milwaukee, who has already groomed and developed very good NBA players. So to me, I was like, oh, it's a great situation. So I'll take a walk-on opportunity versus maybe a guaranteed spot uh, on another team because it was an opportunity to learn, right? right? So as you can tell, like through my journey, it's all about learning and growth. And that was another opportunity. And, you know, me being at St. Louis, that was incredible because the, the coach, he looked out for me in, in ways that I didn't expect, right? He's a very hard, stern coach on the court. But off the court, he's a very good guy. And I like the fact that he's from Milwaukee. And I just remember on a, on a plane back and he was talking to me about, you know, goals and dreams. And I told him what I wanted to do and that I wanted to play in the NBA. And and all of that was inspired by me being around him and his culture at the, as a part of this team. So I told him this and he said it's possible. You know, mm-hmm. he already knew and admired my athleticism, and which I'm, I'm, they they saw at the highest level as I was a freshman and competing against all their other players. And, you know, I even proved that my freshman year when I went out and did track as well and I broke three school records. Right. So, wow. you know, so he knew I had the skill set. 
I want to go back to, to just two things, and then you can continue your conversation about your experience at St. Louis University. Uh, the, the one thing in that last game you played, you said something that I think is, is pivotal, um, and that is that you didn't know who was in the stands. And what you were actually doing, you were just doing your job. And you were doing to the best of your ability. And that's a lesson for us all in that sometime is sometimes we work so hard to try to make our connections um, instead of just letting connections happen. And you didn't know who was there and you did your job. Fantastic. You ended up going on to play college basketball. The other thing that you mentioned was on the flight back, you were talking with Coach, the late Coach Majerus. And you mentioned about your aspiration to be a professional basketball player. And his response to you was that he believed you could. All right, so you so it, you say that day changed your life. Uh, talk about how his response impacted your impacted you, uh, especially psychologically, and how that helped you uh, continue on your journey. Yeah, so remember, this is a Hall of Fame coach in my eyes, right? This guy has taken a team to a national championship. He has multiple NBA players that he's trained and coached. So to have a coach of that level tell me that he sees potential in me to be a, a professional basketball player my confidence went through the roof. So as soon as I got home, I told my dad and, you know, he said that's great news because I'm sure he doesn't say that to everybody. And if he does, and I'm sure he wouldn't say it as direct as he said it to you. Right. So in my eyes, again, I, it just changed my entire view about basketball. I knew I wanted to be a professional basketball player and I was willing to do whatever it took to get there. Uh, But unfortunately I did turn my ACL at the end of that year. So it kind of gave me a halt, right. I had to take a step back. Uh, you, so you've had another setback. You had setbacks exactly. in high school. You got multiple setbacks. So you end up uh, your freshman year, toward the end of that freshman year, you end up tearing your ACL, another right, setback. Right. And then you didn't go back to, to St. Louis University. You had another setback. Talk about that and why you didn't go back and what happened next, because that really is where we get into the real paralysis of your story. Right. So the reason why I didn't go back, it was it was all finances. So I wasn't there on a full ride. Remember, I was a preferred walk on. I was on the team, didn't have to try it out. So I was set and I was competing for uh, competing for a scholarship. But once I tore my ACL, I was it pretty much was thrown out the window. Uh, the only way I would have been able to solidify getting another opportunity players uh, to get a scholarship would be paying for school. And, mm. you know, my, my parents couldn't afford St. Louis. Uh, it's a very expensive school, right? So for me to be there with that partial that I had and the assistance, it was already a blessing. And then to not get a scholarship kind of slowed things down with the injury. But uh, it did force me to move back to Milwaukee. And that was a blessing in itself because then I launched and, want, and went into working for myself uh, with Cutco Cutlery. After... <laughs> your ACL and you determined that you weren't going to be able to financially go back to college, that yep. you decided to start a business on your own and you transitioned into selling uh, Cutco knives and equipment. <laughs> All of a sudden you went from, I have a chance to be in the NBA to now I can't go back to college because I can't afford it. Ac- Education is important to our family. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go and I'm going to sell knives. Yeah. Uh, man, what's that? It about? was, man, it, it was so interesting because I'm 18, 19 years old at this point. So I'm still trying to figure out life. And it, the reason why I took that step to work with that company is because I saw an ad as I was walking down the stairwell. Uh, I think it was on finals at St. Louis. And it said, you know, it's an offer to work back in Milwaukee. And once I found out 
you know, again, I had the injury. I know I had to pay for school. I'm like, okay, I got to work. I'm just trying to help my parents out so I can get back into school and, and pursue my dream. And I felt like this was the best opportunity because it's a great product. Uh, it's, it's a, I would say it's a high-end expensive product. So I know if I was able to make sales, I can make money. And that first summer I, I left between my freshman and my sophomore year of college, I did really well with the company selling these knives. And I never saw myself as a, as a salesman, but I was so passionate about getting back into school and paying for school that I was doing whatever possible to do that. And the, the path that I saw to do that was to go back and sell Cutco. So, you know, I did really well that, that summer. I was in a, the top five in our office. And then in the entire region, I was top 50. So, and that's out of, I mean, they have so many students that sell the product over the summer. Right. I'd probably say maybe two to 3,000 in the central region around the country, probably multiply that by 10. So 30, 40,000 representatives. And, you know, I did really well. So it inspired me to kind of re, I want to say it inspired me. Uh, when I saw the money, I was like, okay, maybe I just need to get the money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I saw how good the money was. I said, you know what? Let me just keep doing this. And like I said, it, I felt good about the product. It was helping a lot of people out. You know, people need good knives. So right. I was solving a problem and I felt good about that. And that, that is another part of me. I, I do feel as though once I jump back into doing business 100%, mm -hmm. that's going to be my, my next best version of myself outside mm -hmm. of basketball because I'm very talented at business. And yeah. I still have some companies that I'm managing right now that I, that I have going on. Like I have a space company. I have a, a business gift company through Cutco, which is like a branch called Legacy Incentives that they allow for me to to create underneath them. So you know, once I once I kind of take a step away from basketball, I'll be able to jump right into business and still have you know the same momentum that I had you know a few years ago. Well, I remember you coming to my house and you were persistent as a salesman. And I was like, I don't need any knives, man. I, I got knives. I'm good. And I ended up buying some gardening tools yeah. from you that I still use today. And, and that's when I was like, I, I knew that you would do whatever it was going to take that was necessary for you to be successful and for you to have um, a, a life that would be worth living. You you mentioned about, you've got several businesses that you're involved in and you mentioned one about a space company or something like that. Um, I want you to share a little bit about how long you've been doing that, what you're doing with that, because I think it's very timely in terms of uh, futuristically where I think the economy could be going and where the country yeah. could be going. So talk a little bit about your company. Yes, uh, the company's name is Space Pi. So space, P-I-I, and P-I-I stands, stands for Parker Innovative Industries. So this is like a component of that company. Okay. So Space Pi started in 2015. And, you know, it's always been a dream of mine since I was a young child, even around basketball and some of my other goals is to help others go to outer space because I want to experience outer space. So one of the things that I can see myself doing in the long term, you know, with this company, I had the vision that it's going to be a 35 year plan. And, you know, this is going to be what I retired doing for the rest of my life, whereas the vision is to commercialize travel to outer space and help with space tourism. So I am doing and I kind of took a few steps back to get towards that, that point, because visually I already know I'm going to get there. So right now I'm working on glasses to help educate people who are interested in learning more about outer space. Uh, and to tell you a little bit more about these glasses, they're called the Gal Galileo Specs. So I'm kind of working with the names. I'm thinking about calling them the Banneker Specs as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm thinking, I'm, I'm working with a couple of different things. But what they are is they're augmented reality glasses. 
So what you're what you're able to do is you're able to look through these glasses, uh-huh. and I'm, and some people are familiar with apps called Starlight, Starlight Pro, things like that, and those are what you can use to you know look through the screen of your phone and see all the constellations and the planets that are you know around you. Mm-hmm. But with the glasses, you're going to be able to look through the glasses, and it'll be augmented reality in front of the in front of you, whereas you can see the stars, you can see all the planets, you can learn about them. So I went from having the end goal of wanting to help commercialize and help humans get to outer space, um, not not so much go to Mars, right? But do the the medium, right, which is the right in the middle, right? Uh-huh. Before you go to Mars, I'm sure you might want to get a couple of people comfortable with going with outer space. Right. So, uh, you know, that that company, that sole purpose is all education and to develop these this technology, which is going to help educate people where they're feeling a lot more confident about going mm-hmm. to outer space. So one of my one of my future visions is hopefully I'll be a part of a team and, and a company that will develop space hotels or space areas where you may be able to vacation outer space for two or three right. months. Right. You know what I mean? wow. So now yeah. th- this may sound this may sound crazy to some people. Oh for sure. What you're talking about. <laughs> uh, but I don't think it would sound crazy to Elon Musk and some of the some of the futurists that are taking us into the space age now. Uh, the fact that you are you're ahead of the curve with this and I think this will provide an unbelievable opportunity for you. Um, so I think you stay with that. The fact that you're working on those goggles and all these things, and you've got an educational component in it, which gives back. And I think yes. that that's important too, is that you're doing things uh, not just for yourself, uh, but to give back and to bring some people along with you. So I think that that's great. What's the name of the company again? Space Pie. So you can follow them on Instagram as well. Yes, yeah, Space okay. Pie. So S P A C E P I I. Okay. So mm-hmm. And so and so we'll look forward to that. Um, kudos to you for that. And, and in addition to all the other things you do, I know you've got other companies, but that's the one that I wanted to spend a little that's bit of time for sure. on today uh, with our listeners and, and share that because um, I think there's some opportunity for you with that. And continue to do that. And I'm sure you'll network that uh, into something great as well. We hope you're enjoying Paralysis to Purpose, the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Paralysis to Purpose for more updates. Also, check out David's website at davidcookspeaks.com to learn more about his mission and purchase his book, Getting Undressed, From Paralysis to Purpose. And so, so you go down this Cutco path and you're very successful. I still get emails from you and stuff about that. And, um, but then something happened. Um, you, you stayed away from the game for a while and then you had an accident. Let, let's backtrack just a little bit before okay. the accident because I would say between the ages, I, I was with Cutco for about five years before I had the accident. So this was 2014 when I, when I got injured and I had the moped accident. But leading up, to the, up until that point, I was already playing in a lot, a lot of leagues here in Milwaukee. And I'm killing these players here. You know, there's a lot of professionals that come here in town, former college players. And of course, there's guys in the city who can play ball. And, you know, I'm playing very well. So guys are asking me, are you playing college? Are you going to play professional? What's your move? And I'm like, you know, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about taking care of my family. I had a my, fir- my first daughter at that age as well. I was about 22. So I, again, I was just thinking about the money, trying to make money. I wasn't even thinking about fully pursuing basketball again and it wasn't until they continued to inspire me and they're like man you should be playing you should be playing it took about two years up until 
right before I got injured, and this was in July. So I got injured on July 17th, which is my 24th birthday in 2014. And uh, that summer I was looking to help out the Bradley Tech High School. So Coach Houston. Your connections on the coaching um, on the coaching tree, you know, exclude me. Uh, <laughs> you ended up with uh, Majerus and then Houston. So you were you were really in some a high stratosphere in terms of coaches. And, and so, I didn't know that at first. Only one I really knew was Majerus, but right. I didn't know Houston. And it was until, yeah, when I met with him and talked to him, I started helping him out at Bradley Tech. And that's when I kind of really understood, like, okay, this guy's a big deal. You know, he played professionally. <laughs> He's like, that one, okay, this guy's a big deal. So it was on the day, uh, like I said, it was on my birthday. I, I made a decision. I was going to go to the gym and talk to some of his students to, and, and help them out during practice. Mm -hmm. So I'm leaving practice. I'm getting ready to head to a cuckoo appointment. Now, mind you, I'm riding a moped. So I'm thinking I'm going to ride this moped. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to dash to this appointment. But I got into an accident with the moving truck. So I'm, I'm going, going down the street. Moving truck knocks me off the moped. I blow open my left knee. Now, luckily, I didn't tear anything. Luckily, I didn't break anything. But I had this huge open wound. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, what did I just do? I'm probably never going to play sports again. You know, all these things are going through my head. And, you know, I had so much adrenaline running through me. I just went straight to, straight home and went to the hospital. Like, I, I was like, I didn't even stay there. That's how crazy I was. I I. I had no idea. That's that's the thing. So luckily we got everything figured out in the, in the end. But what I learned through that moment was that I don't want to regret not being able to pursue what I wanted to pursue. So mm -hmm. as I was recovering from this, I had surgery and I'm laying in the bed and I'm like, OK, imagine if I would have lost my life in that in that moment. Would I have been happy with what I was doing? You know, would I have been happy with just selling Cutco for the rest of my life? But it re-inspired me to think about the thing I'm truly passionate about, and that's basketball. So I made a decision on that day that I want to pursue basketball and figure it out. Two years later, I moved to Phoenix, and then, you know, I became a professional and, and moved on up the ranks to where I am now. So oh, that day completely changed my life as well. Well, wow, so, so you had a moment, you had a reflective moment, I mean, where you were like, I could have been dead, and if I would have died, would I have been happy? with the life that I had lived up to that point. Exactly. And those, and those are sobering moments. Those are, those are perspective moments. Share, share with us um, what you did with the Phoenix Suns organization and how that, I mean, it's so consistent with everything else that you've done. We, you've dealt with setback after setback and now you've got a blown knee where you could have died, another setback and yeah. You've got a family now. You're you're a father, and you're trying to take care of your your family, and you still have this drive and this passion. And when I was 15 and became paralyzed, my dreams and goals didn't die or become paralyzed at that point, and neither did yours when you had the moped accident. In fact, it brought it to the forefront, where right. you're like, you know what? I need to focus and 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 really work on this and give it all that I can until I can't do that part anymore. Very true. And so now you move to Phoenix. Tell 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 the story about buying the tickets for the games. At, at <laughs> well, when I before I even got to that point, I was this nobody in the city. You know, Phoenix was a dog eat dog world in basketball because they have it's the it's really the the sunny weather, the beauty is. It's all of that amaze that attracts all these professionals. So I'm competing against these guys, and it really changed my game. So it brought me to the 
2019-2020 season, whereas I networked my way into the tunnel. So what I did was, I, and, and this was the help of my strength and conditioning trainer, who's already been doing this and has some connections. He kind of helped guide me as my mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also inspired the idea and helped make those initial uh, introductions. But it was a lot. It, it took a lot of energy to do that every single game and make and go up and talk to these coaches. So the way it worked out was I would go into every single game. I get the cheapest ticket possible, every single home game. I started this in, in November. So the few was already about 10 games into the season. And I would go down at the end of the game, talk to the security, go right into the tunnel. And I either talk to the Phoenix Suns home team and talk to the coaches, interact with the players, or I'm talking to the opposing team. So I have pictures with Damian Lillard. I have pictures with Steve Kerr. You know, I have uh, – Mike Wilkes, who was a Milwaukee native, who was the assistant for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I had a great conversation with Mo Cheeks. He talked to me for about 10 minutes. We exchanged information. And, you know, I, I created all these connections in the basketball world, which even that boosted my confidence to know that if I can at least talk to these people and they respect me as a player, once I get into the environment where they see my game, it'll be a no-brainer because I'm a tri. I call myself a trifecta, right? It's like mm-hmm. I have the brains, I have the skill set, and I have the motivation to mm-hmm. be successful. So you know, I, once they they see how driven I am to network myself into the tunnel and talk to them, then they then they're like, okay, we give this guy a shot to see what he's got on the court. Okay, boom. Okay, now how is he going to become better? How is he going to improve over time? It's like that's where that motivation and that persistence comes from, and they can only understand that from you know working with me years and years. And they, they'll see, they'll see. Well, well, clearly you're a salesman because uh, that Cutco skill got yeah. you in to the tunnel. You yeah. actually paid for to attend every home game, and you did it in a way where you bought the least expensive ticket that yeah. you could or the cheapest ticket, however you want to say that, so that you could get in the game. But getting in the game wasn't your end game. That was just your entree to help you do what you wanted to do. Yes, sir. And so and so, you continue to build relationships. So we talk about partnerships again and how you don't have to get on these, make these journeys by yourself. Here you are building relationships and using all of your experiences from the past and the Cutco, the SLU, the Marquette High, uh, the injury, all of that was a part of your recipe now to get you onto your to your journey and, and to fulfill your goal of being a professional athlete. I remember seeing on social media where you were trying to get overseas and you that's before they had GoFund pages and those types of things. And you were making you were making a request for people to help you because you were you were trying to get overseas. Yeah. And I think you may have been were you living in Las Vegas then, or were you still in Phoenix? No, I was in Phoenix. I was you in Phoenix. In, you were in Phoenix. Yeah, I was. Las Vegas was where the combine was that that gave me the that was like my platform to okay. perform. And so, so ultimately, you ended up playing overseas. I think in Germany, right? Isn't that right? Yes. So, how did that transpire? Did, did someone help you with that? How did you? How did that connection happen? Because I know you you parlayed your way into that too. <laughs> I did. I did, and. It was weird because that whole campaign that I did with the GoFundMe, that was just so I can go to a tour. And the tour was in the UK. So that was right before Germany. And the tour was through Howard Hoops with Ronald Howard. He's a a scout and an agent. Uh, He was based out of California at the time. Now he's in Minnesota. So I got connected through him 
through Chris Hortman. You know, I, I stay connected with him. I knew him from my upbringing and, you know, he connected me with Ronald Hire and said, hey, this guy has a tour. You should, you know, check this out. So I went on the tour. I started the campaign because it was like $1,400 to, to right. not only pay for the flight, but also pay for the tour. So I'm like, okay. I started doing a dunk a day. And by doing a dunk a day, I posted it every single day on Facebook. So everybody realizes that I'm super serious about being a professional player because up until this point, everybody only knew me as a knife salesman. Like this dorky guy who, you know, is like, there's no way this guy's a professional. This guy wants to sell. He's, a, he's an ultimate salesman. So, you know, I did prove a lot of people and surprise a lot of people with my abilities with the dunk a day. And that helped me raise enough money. I raised $1,400 to go play overseas. Right. And again, that's even more of a confidence boost because now I'm like, man, now I got the fan support. I must really have some gang. People are watching me. So I go to the tour. I do well at the tour. I was one of, uh, I was on an all-tournament team. Definitely one of the best players in the entire tournament. Uh, I think there was 12 teams. So I did really well. It took us to the championship. And then that led to me getting the opportunity to play in Germany at the end of 2017 for the 2017-2018 season. But I had my appendix taken out. So I'm supposed to leave in December. <laughs> I'm supposed to leave in December. And then all of a sudden I get my appendix taken out so I couldn't do anything for a month. I'm like, man, I can't even leave the country. I can't move. So I lost the opportunity. So mm. the entire year of 2018, I played in the Ultimate Hoops League through Lifetime, Lifetime Fitness. Okay. And at that point, uh, that year, Mike Bibby, he created this own little league called the Tempe Open. I'll call it the Mike Bibby League because it's all professionals. You come in with your own team. I'm playing against the best best players. And that year, I won two championships. And I started recording and posting those videos from the league. And that caught the attention of Chris Hortman again, as well as some other coaches internationally. And the coach that I was getting ready to go play for in Germany, he shared my post and he sent that to another coach in Germany and he reached out to me directly through Facebook. So I'm like, mm, it's possible. This is possible for me to make this happen. And I didn't even necessarily have to go out and find it. It came to me. Right. And I'm not coming from a big D1 school or coming fresh out of a, uh, a tournament or, or some league or something like that. I'm just a nobody, and all of a sudden I get an opportunity to play in one of the top leagues in Germany. So I did really well that year. You know, we also went to the championship. Unfortunately, we lost, but we weren't expected to go to the championship in Germany, but we did. So uh, a lot of that came from me learning how to just play with other good players, but also being able to take over at the right moment. And that really catapulted my, my, my game by taking that first year in Germany. So now, how old were you when all of this really started to take off? Yeah, I'm 30 right now. So I was 28 when I got my first contract. So you're 28 years old yep. when you get your first contract and you had three or four setbacks between the age of 20 and getting that first contract. Yes. And the physical setbacks, yep. things, that, things that would literally keep you from moving forward if you would let them do that. Is that is that is that a fair assessment? That's very fair. And, and consider that. And I don't even have the same resources as some of these guys. Like I don't have a personal trainer who I train with two or three times a day. A lot of it's me. A lot of it's me. Well, I would say within the last two years, I've, I've changed that because now I'm a professional. I have those connections. But before that, I didn't have that. It was just me getting my butt into the gym and just working hard. I didn't care. I'll just take a ball and go play, you know? Yeah. And so you so the other thing that you did was you branded yourself. Mm -hmm. You became your own brand. You you took the the dunk a day was was an amazing marketing strategy. Yeah. 
it was, I was like, this guy's doing Dunk a Day. And then you said you took the tapes from Germany and other, and you began to post them and create yeah. your own market and create your own audience, not knowing, again, who's going to see them all and who's going to share them with someone else. Yes, and it sir. turns out that you took you took responsibility for your own development, for your own career, um, yes, because you didn't have a choice. Exactly. You didn't have a trainer. You didn't have an agent. You didn't have any of that. You exactly. had to make it work on your own. Exactly. And so, so this should be encouraging to people who think they don't have any, that you need all these connections to make things, things happen. You need, which, what you need is some ability, mm -hmm. okay? And you need some intestinal fortitude. And then you do need a little luck. That's true. You know, you got to, I mean, and you got to make some of your luck too. So I was so, just going to say that coach, you got to, you got to, sometimes you got to just keep going and that luck will come to you. You know, mm -hmm. I, like you said, I didn't know who was watching and all of a sudden just might be by me doing my job, doing what I knew was going to get me closer to my envision. People saw me and it opened up doors. So sometimes you don't even have to be thinking about it and it comes to you. Wow. So, so, What's next for for Jay Parker? Because you're Jay Parker now. You know, once yeah. you once, <laughs> once you make it, you change your name and everything. And yeah. um, and yeah. so, what's next for you? Yeah. So ultimately, let's start there. Ultimately, my goal is to play in the NBA. And right now, the whole focus this year in 2021 is to push my brand, take it to the next level. It's the I Am NBA Ready brand. And you know, by by using that brand is to describe exactly what that is because. It's not just for me, it's for all those potential athletes who have the confidence in themselves to go after a dream like the NBA, right? You, if, you rock, if you rock the I am NBA ready gear, you're telling yourself that you have the ability and the confidence to play at that level. You just have to go on the journey. So mm -hmm. what, that's what I'm using that brand to do. So I'm using you know, different platforms, whether it be all my social media, I'm gonna to continue to network outside of that so that way I can get myself into the NBA. And the, the steps I'm taking to do so is like you said, the NBA is starting a league in Africa called the BOW, Basketball mm -hmm. Africa League. Um, okay. I'm getting ready and preparing to go on a tour in March. It was, it was supposed to be in January, but COVID did kind of you know, change that up. But I'll be trying out and, and touring with eight different teams Mm. in March. Okay. So that's going to be an opportunity for me to even take a back door into the NBA because if I'm, I'm looking at it as if that's still a big stage, right? It's the yes. inaugural year for the NBA Africa League. So if I use that stage, use that, that film, dominate those guys, it'll be a stepping stone against the NBA, hopefully. Or right. like you mentioned, I'm working with some teams, I'm talking to some developmental teams. Maybe I can hop into the bubble in Orlando, which I'm working on, or join an NBA team in case somebody goes down and someone's sick and they need a guy. Right. You know what I mean? That right. right now, there's so much going on with COVID. There's tons of opportunity for a guy like me who's very mm. consistent. Yeah, so I want you to describe a little bit about your concept about um, what you believe matters versus what somebody else believes and the importance of believing in yourself. And then also, um, you know, at, at what point, you know, do you stop chasing the NBA dream and then fulfilling your other dreams? Mm. Well, the, let's start with my life because... It is my life. So I can't let any outside forces determine how I'm going to feel. Right. It's like I am in control of that. I've always had that, that attitude about myself, even at, at a young age, because I'm like, it's, it's me. And I feel like I've been here before. And it's some weird way I've had this mentality about myself. 
but you know I, I don't allow other people to dictate how I feel and and some of the things that I do you know is some people may look at it like why is he doing that or that's not going to work but to me I feel as though it's a greater it, how do I describe this I feel as though I've already seen it so I'm only on the path to get there. I feel like I've already intuitively visualized where I'm going to be. And every single step, all the little things I'm doing is on that path because it's my life. I've already seen it. No one else can see it. So no matter if you're telling me it's not going to work, I already believe it's going to work because I've already seen it. Mm-hmm. So regardless of what you know or what you say, I, it doesn't matter because you can't waver what I've already seen. And that's where that faith comes in. That's a very spiritual thing. That's why, you know, I say faith over fear because it is faith over fear. I don't I'm not afraid to try something because I believe it's going to work. I believe I believe. So, you know, and and to answer the question of when am I going to stop? I have in my head, I would say 35. But at the same time. That's only if I'm not closer to where I, if I'm at 35 and I'm a step away from playing an NBA, am I going to stop? No, because I can be 35 years old in a day. The next day I get a call saying, hey, I'm, we're ready for you. You're still in peak shape. You're five years from now. I expect my mental aptitude for the game to be vastly higher than what it is now. Mm. I understand the NBA game in a completely different uh, manner. Five years from now, you know, give me five years to continue to do what I'm doing on a day by day basis. I better have made it by that time. You know what I mean? So <laughs> if I right. don't, maybe that maybe that was an injury or, you know, I, maybe I made a mistake, but I don't visualize that because all I can visualize myself doing. I've had dreams about it is playing on an NBA court, playing against the top players in the, in the world and competing, not just being an average player, but playing at a high level. And, you know, I always continue to say to myself, I know I'm a steal. I, I know once a team finds and discovers who I am, they're going to be like, where did the, like where has he been? Where mm-hmm. has he been? Because I feel like I have that generational talent. And this motivation and persistence in me is, for, is not for nothing, right? I, it's, not, it's not for me just to become this, this regular guy because I, I compare myself to Michael Jordan. I compare myself to Kobe Bryant. I compare mm-hmm. myself to the legends in the game. Even though I haven't played or took a step into the NBA, right? I can only visually compare myself to those people because that's who I believe I am. The whole idea of you've already seen it. And because you've seen it, you can't be convinced that it's not there. Exactly. And there's something to be said for that. And wow. Wait, look, um, how do if we want if people want to follow you, uh, get a hold of you, et cetera, support you, um, where, where can they do that? Yes, sir. So I am on Instagram. I am on Instagram at J Parker, the letter J P A R K E R dot period biz B I Z. That's my Instagram page. And then you can find me on Facebook as well, just by typing in J Parker biz, no period, no dash, no space. And that's how you find my sports page on Facebook. And you can follow me on those two places. I post a lot of videos on there. I share a lot of content. Um, And then I do have Twitter as well and YouTube. So same thing, J Parker. Twitter is going to be J Parker underscore B-I-Z. So I try to keep the same thing for for each of them. Well, I tell you what, yeah. I this has been wonderful for me. Uh, I'm sure that our audience is going to really enjoy this uh, episode. It's truly a story of going from paralysis to purpose. You had setbacks along the way. You had adversity, you had obstacles. You continue to grow. You continue to to flourish and you continue to just keep moving forward. So to that, not only are you a professional athlete, you're a father, 
you're a brother, you're a son, you're all of those things at the same time. And I think what a positive message in a, in a difficult time, in a difficult world that we live in, that there are, there are examples of uh, young men of African-American descent uh, who are out here doing positive things and making the right decisions, uh, not just for them, but for the community and for their family. And to that, I salute you. Well, I do want to tell you too, Coach, um, if you, one of the things that uh, I try to do, and, and you touched on it perfectly, it is about giving back because I'm thinking about my children. I'm thinking about the opportunities that I had as a teenager. There wasn't anybody in my neighborhood or that I can look up to who was doing something of this nature or of this magnitude, whereas they're thinking futuristic or thinking big like that. So, you know, that's another thing I want to give back. And that's not just for a space company. That's also for basketball. I want to inspire those younger children who have a dream. So I believe in that wholeheartedly. Until next time on Paralysis to Purpose, the podcast. Remember, your ability to endure is always greater than your willingness to endure. This is David Cooks wishing you the best and thanking you for tuning in. You can do anything you put your mind to. Thanks for tuning in to Paralysis to Purpose. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paralysis to Purpose on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. To purchase his book, visit davidcooksspeaks.com. Be sure to tune in next time for more inspiring conversations with David Cooks. Your focus, David, on partnerships is, I think, so critical. It's, on the one hand, obvious, yet like anything important, you have to develop intentionality around things. Nothing is dynamic, my dad likes to say, until it's specific. Next time on Paralysis to Purpose, David welcomes his good friend, Jim Van Eerden. In all aspects of um, of life, we need to understand um, how to be intentional about creating life-giving partnerships. Oh, paralysis to Purpose.